0: Hi, everyone. My name is Michelle from The Table in Uniontown. Thanks for tuning into our podcast this week. We're happy you're here. This is the live recording from this Sunday's sermon. We're currently in our Advent sermon series discussing the themes of hope, peace, joy, and love. We hope that as you listen, you'll more deeply understand the truth of God's word and how much he loves you. Let's jump in. But we've made it, haven't we? We've made it. Advent. Uh, the, I mean, Easter is kind of the culmination of the church calendar, like technically right, but like Advent's just the best and we're here. And this Advent, it's a little different. Some churches started Advent last week, even though last Sunday was not the first Sunday in Advent, to compensate for Christmas Eve being on, uh, on a Sunday in uh, kind of its own thing. Um, by the way, Christmas Eve, no, no service in the morning. It's just going to be 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Just want to make sure we um, push that out early. But we're starting here on the first Sunday of Advent, which is today. And we're just going to go a week late to get all of Advent in. So the last Sunday of Advent will be recognized by us on New Year's Eve morning. I hope you will be here for that. But with Advent which is here, and I'm so excited, comes the familiar themes of hope and peace and joy and love. And, and so uh, I talked to Jake. Do we have that graphic? There it is, yeah. So I talked to Jake, uh, who makes these graphics much of the time, and I said, we're running back this year, these themes of hope and peace and joy and love, and uh, I said, we need a graphic for it. And he told me that there was something that I said in a sermon when we started the evangelism series. He said that I had said, we went from AOL dial-up imagery, right, with that, that familiar sound, uh, to a newspaper. What's next? What type of outdated technology is next? A v, a VHS tapes? And uh, I did not remember saying that, but Jake really listens to all the finer points of my preaching because he remembered that, and I did not. And so he sent this graphic... And it I came through to my phone, and I thought, that's kind of silly. Like, <laughs> very funny, Jake, yeah, it, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. Why would I have VHS tapes as the symbol of our Advent series? I mean, it's, you know, it's the, some of you don't know what Blockbuster is, maybe, but it's the, very clearly the Blockbuster thing. And I even said, like, let's Christmas it up a little bit. But I thought more about it, and I thought about the nature of nostalgia, about how, Things change, but the church calendar leads us to year after year, do things over and over again. Both because we are prone to forget things, and because the best stories are worth retelling. Thought about how my childhood, it didn't always involve Blockbuster, who we borrowed from for this image, but it did involve Garden Video, the local video store in Minerva. And whether renting them or waiting for them to come on cable every year, we watch the same movies year after year at this time. Christmas just isn't a time for new stories. In fact, when a new Christmas movie comes out, it is met, at least by me, with skepticism, and rightfully so. It needs to be tested before it enters into the canon of the real tried-and-true Christmas staples. No, Christmas is is mostly for telling old stories, old stories of our families, of Christmas past, for Home Alone and the Santa Claus and Christmas Vacation and a Christmas story, and for the Grinch. Not that new one, though. Yuck. It's time for old songs. People who don't listen to Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin through most of the calendar year like them for a short time at the end of the year people who don't like hymns tear up as they sing carols written hundreds of years prior to their own birth. And we rehearse the same 2,000-year-old story of a baby born to a virgin, swaddled and lying in a manger, born to rescue the world from its sins. So yeah, VHS tape is somehow a perfect symbol for Advent in 2023. This morning, we're going to consider the theme of the first week of Advent, which is hope. I've always said college football is a deeply flawed sport. Baseball is the greatest game. It's not close. I think we can all agree here. We don't need to discuss it. (laughs) Football, way less good. Um, But I do like college football second most in terms of sports. I love the University of Oregon. Ducks, please respect my privacy during this hard time. Thank you. But yeah, I love the Ducks. I have... Really paid a great deal of attention to their season, both this year and many other seasons throughout the course of my life. But college football is deeply flawed because at its core, it has a hope problem. It has a hope problem. Here's why. You play the game to win a championship. That's the point of college football. That's the, the point of the whole thing. You play for championships. My team has won lots of bowl games, lots of conference championships, played for two national titles but none of that matters because they have won zero. But the problem is this. If you lose one game in college football, sometimes there is no hope for you. Baseball and basketball are long seasons with decent-sized playoff fields, so it takes a good amount of losing to be disqualified from the postseason and thus have no hope of a championship in that year. But in college football, even if you run the table and go undefeated, you might have no hope of a championship. At the time of considering this, Uh, Liberty University, a D1 university, they were undefeated, and yet they were ranked 22nd overall for the non-football people whose eyes are beginning to glaze over. Only the top four teams in the country make the playoffs. This is why I say college football has a hope problem. Liberty is hopeless at the start of their season. They can do everything right, beat every team in front of them, and yet their ultimate goal is hopeless if it's winning a national title, which it should be. There is no hope for them. If the team you love loses mid-season one game, your season might be in jeopardy, two losses, and you're almost guaranteed to be without hope. Turn off the TV, start watching basketball or something, your football season is over. (coughs) College football's biggest strength, some may say, is, is that every game matters. But once you've lost hope, none of them matter. And the Bible talks about what it means to be without hope. Proverbs 13, 12 tells us, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred. Can you relate? Can you relate? Hope deferred. Have you ever hoped for something so much and had it not come to fruition? Have you been heart sick? You can maybe remember a time. Maybe there was something you wanted. Maybe it's something as simple and even trivial as, as your childhood at Christmas. Did you ever want something you never got? Somebody shout it out. A fur? Fir- yeah, of course. Maybe this year, man. Maybe this year. An Oscar Mayer wiener whistle, just like Neil in the Santa Claus. That's right. Stretch Armstrong, right? If nobody said anything, I was just going to mention Neil and hope for the best. That's great. Anybody else? If you say it out loud in this room, somebody might get it for you. (laughs) Well, for me, there are two that come to mind. I always wanted a Talkboy tape recorder, obviously. Of course I wanted that. And and by the way, it is crazy to even say that there's anything I didn't get. My Christmases were larger than life. This woman, along with her friend Santa, made Christmas unbelievable. I swear, my living room exploded every Christmas morning with gifts. Uh, Only child life, too. But there are two things. Two things. The talkboy tape recorder. I settled for getting it tattooed on my body when I didn't get one. And the second one... I always wanted Michael Jordan cologne. I'm talking like I was in elementary school. I asked for it every year. I never got it. Now they sell it at Walmart. I saw it the other day. I don't know how it smells. But as a kid, Michael Jordan was life, right? And if, if only I could smell like his airness. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I do. It's, but it's not the same. you know. It's not analog with the buttons and... But maybe when I ask, have you ever had a hope deferred? Have you ever been heartsick?" Maybe you don't think about a gift like that at all. Maybe you think of something like the one that got away, a, a love lost. That person who never really wanted you no matter how much you wanted them romantically. Whether in high school or as a grown man or woman, you had that experience and it's marked your life. Maybe, maybe you never got married at all because that one person didn't want you. Maybe it's the idea of someone coming home, whether from war, whether from the hospital, whether from just walking out of your life, like a parent walked out the door and never came back or something. You've hoped that person would be back, and and maybe they died, or or they they might as well have because they don't have contact with you. Maybe you've hoped for a partner to share your life with. Maybe you've hoped for a family. Maybe one of those things or both didn't come to fruition, and you're left heartsick. Hope deferred is a common human problem. There's this idea which doesn't totally hit home for me because I love winter so much, but this theme of hope being associated with springtime. Sometimes we associate winter with nearly everything that's alive in nature being dead or dormant, and spring then is when there are signs of life again. You see the first blade of green grass, or you see like a tulip, right? We see green, we see flowers, we see animals coming out of hibernation. But paradoxically, we talk about hope every year in Advent near the first of December when things are just getting so cold and snow is sometimes falling. Hope isn't quite so necessary in spring. In spring, you can see life, your hopes are almost realized in spring. But our lives, we like hope, hope is most necessary, I guess. When, when things are most bleak, when things are most dark. And so it makes perfect sense that we talk about hope in those times in December. And sometimes our lives, we might, we might feel like we're in C.S. Lewis's Narnia in its cursed state in which Mr. Tumnus describes how it's always winter in Narnia. It has been ever for so long. Always winter, but never Christmas. And maybe you feel that way. <laughs> Maybe you say, it's always winter in my life. It's always cold and dark and dead. I'm losing hope, you might say. Because hope sustains us. When things are hopeless, we are prone to despair. Hope is that which keeps us from despair. And there's often a tipping point if our hopes aren't realized for long enough where we can go from hopeful to hopeless. But for a Christian, we must never go over that hump from hopeful to hopeless An Advent is a season above all else of waiting. Do you know that? In Advent, we practice waiting. Many of us, depending on our temperaments, we don't like waiting. I don't mind it much in some regards. My wife, she likes it much less than I do. Things like lines, traffic, all of that, not a big deal to me, more of a big deal to her. However, there are other kinds of waiting that I struggle with greatly put some big event on the calendar that I'm excited about, and it's a little different. That's the kind of waiting that kills me. Waiting till Christmas, waiting till opening day, it feels like torture. Advent, though, is a season where we get to practice and hone our waiting skills. Now, you may think Advent is just like the precursor to Christmas, and Christmas is celebrating an event that has already occurred. So how then is Advent about waiting? If you're already married, for example, you're not hoping and waiting for your wedding day anymore. It's, it's already happened. If you've had children and are not trying to have more children, you're not waiting for children, of course. That doesn't make any sense to say it that way. So how is Advent about waiting when Jesus has already been born? In Advent, we remember his first coming as we await his second coming. We are remembering his arrival as we await his return. And we are waiting for something that has been awaited for so long that sometimes we forget that we're waiting for it. We forget that we're waiting for Christ to return. And so we remember that he came once before. And we remember that he was long awaited then. We remember prophecies that came hundreds of years before he was born in that Bethlehem manger. We read Isaiah 9, 2 through 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You see, Jesus was long awaited when he came the first time, wasn't he? They awaited a Messiah. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a child is given. They were waiting for that part. We don't have to wait for that part. That's the part we know at Christmas. That's your nativity scene. That's your eight-pound, six-ounce Baby Jesus, or is that the other six-pound, eight-ounce Baby Jesus doesn't even know a word yet that we talk about when we quote Talladega Nights. Does that make it a Christmas movie, by the way? I mean, if you're trying to tell me Die Hard's a Christmas movie, Talladega Nights is really a Christmas movie. That's not what we'll be showing at the family uh, (laughs) night. uh. We get the, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given part. We celebrate that. It's Jesus' birthday, right? My in-laws have a cake, and, and they sing happy birthday to Jesus on Christmas, and, and Jesus is like, actually, it's not, you know what, never mind, no, but we get that part of the season, we understand that, and in a sense, that becomes white noise sometimes in a season of Christmas with the hustle and bustle of the holidays, Jesus came, born of a virgin, 33 years of life, died on a cross, resurrected, boom, see you at Easter, Right? That's not the whole story of Advent. We aren't just here to, we aren't here just to remember a 2,000 year old event, even though we are remembering a 2,000 year old event, and I would say the most beautiful, poignant, touching story ever told. It is that, but it's more than that. We are here to look ahead. The Advent is pointing us to remember that Jesus will come back. And not just remember, but might I suggest, long for it. As I said earlier, we've been waiting for Christ to return for so long that we almost forget that we're waiting, or we forget to wait. And Advent beckons us to remember again to wait for him to return. And we have Isaiah 9, 6 down. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. But we don't remember that this season is also about Isaiah 9, 5. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Our world is a mess. When we see the things happening with Israel and Palestine, the global conflicts, the death, the destruction, our hearts should groan, come, Lord Jesus. One day, no warrior boots, no military fatigues will have any use. The only thing they will be good for is burning. Peace will win the day. We forget we're waiting for an age where that is the constant state of the world: peace and justice and wholeness and righteousness. We have Isaiah 9:6 down. unto us a, a child is born, unto us a son is given, vice versa, actually. But so often we don't have Isaiah 9/7 as much in focus. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. And from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. His great government, his great peace, it will never end. And Jesus will reign and he will uphold things with justice and righteousness from that time on and that will never end. We celebrate during Advent the first coming of Christ, but with the second coming completely in mind as well. We know God sent Jesus the first time, and he made things right between us and God, but he's coming back to make everything fully right in our world, not just between us and God, but justice and righteousness will be the rule and not the exception. On Christmas Day in 1863, During the Civil War, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, who had his wife of 18 years fatally burned in a fire and a son severely wounded in the war, so you know this gentleman understood that all was not right in our world. This man, he heard Christmas bells coming from a nearby church, and he wrote this poem, which became a familiar carol that tells the experience that he had the juxtaposition of Christmas, the story of peace on earth and goodwill to men mixed with the sounds of cannons firing and men trying to kill their fellow countrymen. And he tells the story this way. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth and goodwill to men. And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth and goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. He understood it, didn't he? Regardless of the reality in front of us, the war, the death, the loss, things that mock the Christian message, we wait and we hope that our God, who is not dead nor sleeping, that he will return. And peace on earth and goodwill to men will not be the exception, but the rule, the experience of everyone in the kingdom of God living in the age to come. To repeat what we said at the beginning of this message, Proverbs 13, 12 tells us, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. We have a hope that's here because Jesus came, but it's not here in in its fullness until he comes back. And we know that we have Jesus, and he's made peace between us and God, but we know that one day we will live in a kingdom where perfect peace and justice and righteousness win the day. We know that. But we see the news, and we see hate and murder and war, and we see terrible, terrible things. The kingdom in its fullness is not here yet. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Some of you might look around and think this Christmas you have everything. A home, a spouse, a family, a job. Whatever it is that you could hope for, you think you have it. And somewhere along the way you've forgotten to anxiously await the return of Jesus. Your hope isn't in a home, a spouse, a family, a job. It it cannot be. Those things cannot fulfill you. Your true hope, whether you remember it or not, is, in a sense, a little bit deferred. Jesus, your only true hope, the one whom all the weight of your hope should rest, he's going to return and make everything that is wrong right. And you should, in this season, feel the ache of that unfulfilled longing. You should be a little heartsick for Jesus this Advent season. Advent is a season that reorients our hope. We've had about 11 months since the last Advent. It's a lot of time to to misplace our hope, to put our hope in other things, to forget that there's a king and a kingdom coming and that we are waiting on something, the fulfillment of our ultimate longings, which is to be face-to-face with Jesus, to be with him in a way that we can't be now, for everything sad to come untrue. That's the unfulfilled longing that we wait to have fulfilled. And the question Advent brings is, what lesser things have you put your hope in this year? What lesser things have you tried to let fulfill you? Where have you looked apart from Jesus for fulfillment and joy and peace and even justice? Nothing else satisfies. Have you, this Advent season, forgotten that you're waiting on something? No judgment. Don't beat yourself up over it. Instead, let's, let's take this little, beautiful little season called Advent to reorient our lives personally and together as a family around waiting for Jesus, meditating on his birth and his first coming, and looking ahead to his return. That's the beauty of this season. It's the beauty of the the kind and generous gift of these Advent wreaths from Tom's community group, and an Advent devotional that for at least four weeks you can use to guide some family time or alone time, however you want to do it, centered on Jesus. For our family, we do it in the evenings after our kids are in bed because they wouldn't totally quite get the readings yet, of course. They would like the fire. but <laughs> And we'll sit down and we'll light a candle. Last, last year, we just had a tea light on a plate. This year, it'll be this wreath with proper candles lit for the week. And, and we'll sit and we'll, we'll read someone else's thoughts on the season. There's some reflection questions in that book. We'll ask those questions of each other. Maybe share a thought or two. Offer up a small prayer, short, simple, sweet, and yet a practice like that, a daily practice, it it reorients us. In a world, and yes, in a household for me, very much prone to closing the day with scrolling and some television, to sit upright and light a candle and turn our attention to Advent, we are reorienting our night, reorienting our December reorienting the season and reorienting our lives. And I hope very much that you will join us in this practice this holiday season. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but sometimes we're heartsick over something that would have never fulfilled us to begin with. What would it look like for you to take the weight of your hope, the full weight of your hope, off of something that would never fulfill you and instead put it all on Jesus What would it look like to be more heartsick waiting on the return of Christ than any other deferred hope in your life? I hope that Advent reorients your hope in the best way possible to Jesus himself. Michelle, you can come up. So as we prepare our hearts for communion this morning, I would ask you to think about where your hope lies this Advent season. Maybe you're in a place in life where your hope is completely, completely on Jesus. Good for you. I'm so glad to hear that. That's you. But maybe... message really touched him this morning. But maybe you're not. Maybe you're like most of us. Maybe you're like me. Forgetful. Prone to wander. Forgetting that you're waiting on something at all. Allow the season of Advent to bring your heart back to Jesus. To let your hopes fully rest on him. As the old hymn says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The true hope for the world and for each individual sitting in this room laid in a manger in the, in the event that it feels like the whole world stops to celebrate in one form or another, in the person of Jesus. Jesus, born of a virgin, laying in a manger. Jesus, who would grow up and save us from our sins. Jesus, who on the night that he was betrayed, took the bread and after he gave thanks, broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and again giving thanks, he said, this is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Every week we take communion here by taking the bread and dipping it in the cup and remembering that Jesus Christ died for sinners like you and me. And so we'll make some space here to take communion whenever you're ready. Michelle is going to play quietly behind me and then she's going to, at some point, begin to sing that old hymn that I quoted earlier. You're free to sing it with her if you know it uh, or just sit and listen as you pray. And then whenever you're ready, you can stand up and take communion. Uh, My friends, Randy and Rachel, will be available uh, on either side of the room to pray with you. If you need somebody to come alongside you in prayer this morning, they would love to do that. The communion elements are available in the back on my left, gluten-free, uh, in the back on my right. You're welcome to take communion whenever you are ready. Let's pray, and then you can do what you need to do. Father, I'm grateful that we are not left hopeless in this world. I'm grateful for the great hope that we have in you. We're so prone to, to put our hope in other things, to forget to forget what we're really waiting on. God, I pray that Advent would reorient us, our lives, our hearts around waiting on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to our Sunday service. If you're interested in joining us in the future, you can find us at 17766 Cleveland Avenue Northwest on Sunday mornings at 10. Additionally, We host a meal every first and third Sunday after service in order to fellowship with one another. Visit aseatforyou.org for more information. We hope you'll join us next week. Go in peace.